This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 22. The winners of the May Zebra Review discuss their winning pieces, and in the panel discussion, the topic is pricing your pieces to make good margin. Maggie with Pinch of Paint shares her tip for removing old paint from your pieces. Our furniture refinishing friends, Kristen with Brushwood Charm, Jennifer with Save by Design, and Julia with Creative with Scents share what they enjoy most about furniture refinishing in our question of the week. Blaze and Deb with Hidden Charm Woodworks gives accolades to Kristen with Vintage Pineapple Company. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Well, it seems like yesterday that we were in the month of May, one of my favorite months, I might add, for two reasons, my wife's birthday, and I enjoy that transition from winter into spring here in the South. Well, our theme for the Zebra Review May contest was botanicals, and we have two of our winners on the podcast today to learn more about their pieces. Afterwards, we'll discuss a very important topic, pricing your furniture refinished pieces to make good margin. Listeners, you'll want to stay tuned for that discussion. Unfortunately, Candy with Orchids True Blue is not able to make the podcast, but we will play her audio describing her piece. Always a pleasure to announce our three winners. All the hard work is definitely worthy to be recognized, and they are Amanda with Lemon Pepper Farmhouse winning first, Emily with 1379 Design awarded with second place, and Candy with Orchestra True Blue taking third. Congratulations, winners. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's always good to ask a few general questions before we dive into the discussion of your pieces. And Emily, let's start with you. You still in Kentucky? I am. So I got to know the weather. Is it like ours, hot and humid, or are you guys doing better than we are? It's real hot and humid. <laughs> um, we were recently down in Tennessee, and that was far worse than here, actually. So it could be worse that where you're at. It's so hard because, you know, you can't wait for summer to get here. But then with summer, at least in the south, the humidity comes with the heat, and that makes mm-hmm. it like a sauna. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, do you do, as most of you work in the summer, do you try to do things outside with your furniture finishing, or is that all done in a studio? Well, it's funny. Um, we recently opened up a shop, a storefront, and so now I'm able to work in the air conditioning. It's so nice. But yeah, I used oh, to yeah. sit on my back deck and in my back driveway um, and paint and get burnt and then in the sun and, you know, have paint dry too fast. And But now I have the luxury of a space where I can make a mess and it's air conditioned. Yeah, and then you hear those the the thunder uh, roaring in the background way off, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm out here working, oh, yeah. and here comes the storm." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you also do a lot of kitchen makeovers. Yes. So, um, how much of your business is kitchen kitchen makeovers versus furniture finishing? Um, I would say probably with COVID, it, it heavily switched over to kitchens. Um, And now we're starting to ease back into more furniture custom work. So I would say it's about 50-50. We do a lot of stairwells um, and doors, that sort of thing, too. But Mm -hmm. we're starting to balance out. Yeah. Any preference when you're as far as just the work itself, uh, whether you're doing a kitchen makeover versus furniture? Well, I prefer the furniture um, (laughs) only because it's more of my creative outlet. Um, and that sort of thing. So for, for kitchens, my favorite part is when I get to take the pictures because that's my, my creative element is the before and after and editing the photos. Um, yes. But yeah, I definitely love it when I do my furniture pieces. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Your staging is, uh, shall we say, phenomenal. <laughs> Aw, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been uh, refinishing furniture? 
I was trying to think the other day. I feel like a five-year memory just came up, so it's probably coming on six years. Yeah, that's uh, well, that puts you into the the pro uh, phase, right? Oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so for sure. So, how's business been for you? I know you said you did a lot of um, furniture, or excuse me, kitchen makeovers during COVID. How's it been okay. now that the pandemic's sort of uh, behind us to a certain um, degree? I think that people are still wanting to update their spaces and live in their homes. They've sat in their homes and looked at them and thought, how can I make this mine? So we do still continue to see people wanting to update their spaces and refresh them, especially on a budget. Um, It has died down a little bit, but we're starting to see it pick back up again. So Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of interesting how right in the heat of the pandemic, I had a lot of people ask me, oh, has this hurt your business? And then In fact, it didn't. Everything really took off. Everybody was updating their spaces and then it slowed down. And again, yeah, we're we're picking back up again. Well, it's always good to hear that business is good. And yeah, like what you said about during the pandemic, I found that most, especially with the conversations we've had, most folks did pretty well during uh, the pandemic, which is, is good to hear because so many businesses did have to shut down. And I think probably it was the retail shops that suffered the most. Right. Um, and uh, hopefully we won't see that again anytime soon. So Thinking about furniture refinishing, what would you say your biggest challenge is when it comes to the furniture refinishing process? To the process itself, the biggest challenge, I suppose, is the prep work. Um, I tend to want to jump right in and get going with the color and and the design of everything. And I kind of procrastinate on the, the prepping part because I just want to get to the color and the fun. So getting over that procrastination stage and actually doing the prep work and getting that mundane task over with is probably my challenge. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty common response, I think. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, you're probably ready to start staging as soon as you get a piece. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm already thinking and planning and yeah, I'm picking up these amazing love seats tomorrow and I cannot wait to stage them. So that's all I've been thinking about. It's hard uh, well, having a design brain. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll look forward to seeing those on IG for sure. Well, Amanda. Yes. Today is your birthday. <laughs> yes. Happy birthday. birthday! Thank you. Yeah. How blessed we are to the fact that you decided to join us on your birthday because you could have said, look, this is my birthday. I have celebrations to do here. <laughs> so. Yeah, bonbons to eat and right. good things like that, yes. <laughs> yeah, a, the birthday is the day that you can eat all the bad food and not feel so guilty about it, right? <laughs> yes, that's what I tell myself. I'll have to tell myself the other 364 days of the year to not eat bad food. Then. But yes. <laughs> that's right. Well, but then you've got, you know, your family birthdays and holidays. So you, you can find some other days to, to uh, squeeze time to, to not feel guilty eating the bad food. Definitely, yes. So you're in Wisconsin. Yes. Yes. So please, please tell us that you're not experiencing high humidity. It's been crazy. The weather has been crazy. We, I feel like we have about seven months of winter now. And then Mother Nature is like on the first day of spring she's like i'm gonna test my my button and push it to 90 degrees today and that's what (laughs) we go to immediately and then i think she backs off and is like okay we'll have a little bit of nice weather here but it has been very very hot and humid and i think this is like the first week that we're probably just in the higher um 70s so it's bearable 
Wow. That's unlovely. <laughs> yeah, it's either <laughs> negative zero or or ninety eight. So yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, you do have um, those long winters, so I'm yes. sure even when it does get hot, you're probably like, "Yep, yeah, I can, uh, I can feel the warmth on my skin and the sweat on my brow, but I'll be okay with it for a while because it's going to turn cold again." <laughs> yes, yes, and I, I honestly like windows open, but majority of my family work outside so when they come home from being in it all day they want the air which is yeah. i can i can handle that then but so yeah. are you do uh being in wisconsin obviously inclement weather in the winter time i assume you have you do most of your refinishing indoors i never used to i used to do it outside in the garage i had um, multiple projects going on and i could just move from one to the next to the next I'm telling you, the older I get, I am not. I am not doing that anymore. I have started um, this winter. I made a little cozy room for myself in the house, and um, when it was very humid and hot, which also brings mosquitoes during the day here, it is they are terrible. Um, I just bring the furniture in now, and that's just what I do. I paint inside. I'm. I'm yeah, I'm done with that. And I might just only be able to do one piece at a time, which I'm fine with too. So well, it with paint it's so hard anyway, especially in high humidity because it affects the dry time. So to be able to in, be indoors, I suppose that's most ideal because it gives yes. you the opportunity to control that uh, all the elements of refinishing. It's just I think it's hard probably in the summer <clears throat> because you've been indoors all winter and when it gets nice out it's like nice you to go outside to work <laughs> i know you would think and i would and i'd love to and i'm hoping we you know hoping probably more towards the end of summer beginning of fall i'll be able to go out more but yeah and it's funny because every other year or every other summer we have no mosquitoes or we we have every mosquito from the summer before that missed us come here and so, and this is just the year. It, it, you can't even be outside during the day. It's the mosquitoes are so bad. But yeah, and if I remember right, they're rather large. I, I went to <laughs> Minnesota several years ago, and it was in the summer, and they were in a heat wave, and the mosquitoes were huge. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. They're they're yes, they're very robotic. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. There's something with them. Too many cheese curds. You probably feel like they're like. Little tiny droids or, dro yes. or drones yeah. or whatever, you know, flying Yeah, around. I mean, not to maybe, but the other day I was out in the garage um, trying to sand a dresser down and I had five mosquitoes on one one arm. Oh, man. You know, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really out of control around here, so... But whatever. I, it's good in the house. It works in the house for me, and... So, um, how long have you been refinishing, Amanda? I don't have a really great set of years. Um, as a teenager, I refinished. I would go to the thrift stores and bring pieces home and, and paint them and put them in my room. And then as I had kids, I've noticed like some of the, the uh, big box furniture wasn't great. So I would go and find a dresser and refinish it. But to really, um, once I started getting on Instagram and following um, my fellow refinishers, I feel like I've learned a lot of detailing and a lot of um, things like that. And I'm not sure how, how long I've been on Instagram, but um, I feel like that really, um, once I started selling furniture, I've, I've 
um, kind of kicked it in a little more and called myself a refinisher. So um, I don't know, maybe maybe three years then, if if we say that from Instagram's point of view, I guess. Well, you brought up a good point when it comes to Instagram, though, because, man, imagine um, or just think about all like what you said, all that you learn by watching other people yeah. through their reels and stories. And then and then the fact that you can reach out to each other and say, hey, what do you think of this? Or I'm having mm-hmm. this issue. Do you know what to do to resolve it? <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, and it's- this community of of, Insta- or of uh, refinishers is like no other. It's they're just. Yeah, they're amazing people. Amen. Very amazing. <laughs> it really is. It's a it's a phenomenal group. Mm-hmm. So, business, how's it been for you? I would have to say really good. I'm sitting on one piece right now and and that's it. So, and I have people calling and asking me, you know, do you have dressers? Do you have this? Do you have that? And I just don't have them done. But I've been really blessed. Um a lot of my pieces sell really fast and you know why I don't know, but they do. So yeah, things have been really good here. Yeah. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Just like Emily, I'll ask you this, uh, when it comes to the refinishing process, what would you say is your biggest challenge? Too many options <laughs> for me. <laughs> when I see a piece, I'm like, Oh, I could do this with it or I could do that with it. Or, and I'm actually doing that right now with a wardrobe I have. I have this vision in my head and then I clean it and then I'm like, that would look really good if I stripped it back and stained it. And then I do that and I don't like it. And then I'm like, oh, and it's just, I need to just focus and do one thing. And, but there's so many beautiful colors out there and, and, you know, different ways of doing things, different um, styles and things like that. It's hard to just do one. So I need more, more furniture. A lot of creative options, isn't there? <laughs> A lot. Yes, it, it, it really is. And I tell myself, focus, like you, this was the plan, stick with the plan. And I, I really have to be harder on myself <laughs> about that, but, but it's worked out. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I've had to walk away a lot, you know. I, I've had to walk away from pieces and and put them in timeout or me in timeout, one or the other. I don't <laughs> know, but um, but it always works out in the end. And they do. And and when I complain to my or you know vent to my family, they're like, "You'll get it. Just calm down, and you'll get it." And it does. <laughs> it works that way. So yeah, it all works yeah. out. Yeah. Well, listeners, stay tuned because after we discuss their pieces, we're going to have a panel discussion on pricing your pieces to make good margin. Also, you can see the pieces we are discussing by going to our enjoyzebra.com site and scroll to the bottom and click on podcast. Well, Amanda, you won first place with your beautiful dresser and wow, it was in pretty rough shape, if I recall from your IG account. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, tell it us was- all about it. So um, I got a call from um, a follower of mine who said, I have this dresser. We don't want it anymore. Do you want to come get it? And my daughter and I went and it was in their basement and we hauled it out, brought it home. And I was like, what did I do? Like, this is just a mess. The veneer is coming off. It's, But the bones of it were good. And I just started uh, peeling back veneer. Um, it was something I've never seen. It was um, the knobs were actually um, must have been very old. The knobs had wood to hold them in. So that was a little bit of a challenge getting them out. Um, I had to like saw them off and 
and all this other stuff. But, um, and once I cleaned it up and um, took a really good look at it, um, I did what I normally do. I had a million thoughts in my head of what I should do with it and started off with um, one color and then ended up into another um, design, which I, which I love. Emily, any questions for Amanda? Yeah, I had one. What was, did you, were you inspired by this piece? Was it for sale or was it custom? What made you go with the florals? I love the richness of this transfer. I just loved it. Um, I had the hardware and the, the transfer fit perfectly. And I thought, this is, this is what I want. I wanted that vintage, antique, beautiful look on it. And, you know, I just all played out that way. So Isn't it awesome when you have the hardware in hand and you're like, oh, this goes. Yes, it is. And it, yeah, it, 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 once, like once everything got cleaned up, it just kind of flowed together. And I love using liquid patina. So I started with a, a with a gray and then I ended up putting, um, I think like an off white on. And then I did the liquid patina over it where you paint it on and then you rub it off. And, um, I guess the other thing too I should say about it is I really wanted brush strokes in this piece. I wanted thick brush strokes in it. So um that was something fun too to try on it. And then um yeah, and then knowing in the end that I'd have that that rich, beautiful transfer, the colors in there really made it everything pop. And um I'm sometimes as surprised as everyone else at how they turn out, honestly. I, I sometimes I don't see the ending and, and when you just put what you love on it, it, there it is. And you're like, oh, okay, that's the way it was supposed to be, I guess. So that's awesome. It's beautiful. Thank you. I always find it so interesting when you're just talking about, Amanda, the, the planning process and, and how that unfolds. You know, sometimes it is like up front, you know exactly what you're going to do. You've got it all laid out as far as your colors and transfers. If you use transfers, your hardware. And then sometimes even once you start the design process, it unfolds even without a plan, doesn't it? Because right. you're like, oh, well, that looks good. And I'll do this now to it. Yes. Oh, okay. I guess we're going this way. That's fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like you're kind of just going with the flow and, and uh, that can yield pretty good results as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a lovely, lovely piece. It's uh, just really, really beautiful. And congratulations on winning first, Amanda. Thank you very much. I was very honored. Yeah. Share your Instagram account with our listeners. Um, Lemon Pepper Farmhouse is my Instagram. Emily, you won second place. We had our eye on this piece as it also won Zebra Furniture Art a few weeks back, I believe. It did. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Uh, this piece was um, a custom piece for a client, a previous client. I had done a dresser for them a few years ago um, before they moved to Florida. And so recently um, her mother had passed away. The estate was split up between all the kiddos and they kept a few pieces that meant something to them. Um, but they weren't going to fit into their Floridian coastal home the way they were with the dark finishes and um, the antique vibe that they had. So we lightened everything up. And with this particular piece, we went with a, a moody, dusty gray um, milk paint and then added raffia uh, handles just to give it more of a beachy flair, but still keeping all the East Lake details, like the little carvings of the florals. That way she still, you know, can walk by the piece every day knowing 
you know, where it came from and remembered walking past it as a kid, but now it fits into our home. Amanda, any questions for Emily? Um, no questions, but it is beautiful. And I love when I saw it, I just thought it's a very organic looking and I love that. And, and how you detailed the floral part of it is it's just beautiful. The oh, hardware, everything thank really, you. yeah, really nailed it. It's gorgeous. Appreciate that. Emily, when you put the milk paint down, did you put any uh, bonding agent with it? Yeah, so about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love milk paint. I love chippy furniture. Um, and it's true, you never know what you're going to get. Um, even though this piece had been prepped properly and cleaned um, well, it still had such an old, aged, hardened varnish on it that literally my first coat of milk paint came off in one sheet. Um it got so bad that I really had to restrip everything and it didn't take much because the paint wasn't adhering, um, but we had to restrip it. And then I really had to grind down and sand through a lot of that existing varnish. Um, and then I did end up using bonding agent with it to get it to adhere better. And did you use just uh, after you put, after you stripped it back down, put the bonding agent with it, did you use multiple coats or just how, how was that? I think I did two coats. Wow. It's funny, you know, when you're working on something like that and you hit, hit a snag like that with it all coming off, were you pretty discouraged or were you just like, oh, this is just what happens and you just kind of keep moving on? A little bit of both, but in my head, like I was doing five pieces for her, um, three of them in milk paint. And I was like, oh, this is just going to be easy and fun. <laughs> but I ended up having to do a little bit of extra work on all three of them, but it's fine because they needed to go through that process to get to where they were or what they, you know, became. Well, the results are phenomenal as well. Beautiful job, Emily. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Lane. Don't you feel like when you say that too, when you say this is going to be, you know, easy or a fun piece, that's the one that always seems to come back and... Pretty much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't, never do that. Never say that anymore. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, Emily, share your Instagram account with our listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm 1379design. That would just be what you typed in, but you spell out 13, and then it's the number 79 in design. Well, Candy won third place, and as mentioned earlier, she could not be on the podcast, but we do have an audio of her talking about her refinished process for her winning piece. Hi, Zebra. This is Candy from Orchids True Blue. Thanks for having me share a little about my piece. Um, this piece um, was... A vintage early 20th century Berkey and Gay tall dresser with a small mirror vanity on top um, that was originally painted black with floral scroll work on the sides and down the mirror and there was a small Baroque painting of two cherub angels on the front um, so this was in my studio for a few months. Um, I had a previous client offer it to me because it was a very treasured piece in her family. Um, it was a dresser that her mother had for quite some time. So I had it in my studio for a while. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do with it, but I knew I wanted to paint something really unique and special. Um, this piece was very striking, um, a black finish. Um, it definitely had a lot of cracking and a lot of patina and chipping. So I decided, um, once I decided on my design, um, I ended up sanding the majority of the finish off the fronts um, and cleaning the piece really well. 
Um, I ended up refinishing this piece uh, with a mixture of stains and paint, but I refinished it with a hand-painted female portrait of a, a pre-African colonial, um, a pre-colonial African queen um, with brightly floral crown that extends beyond the cabinet up onto the vanity base. Um, this piece was so fun to work on. I actually chose to work on this piece um, started on my birthday because I just feel so free when I'm hand painting and painting something so full of life and color. Um, so I ended up staining um, the wood fronts with like a dark ebony stain um, that was the skin of this beautiful queen. And then I painted, um, then I painted her clothing and her hair. Um, and the flowers with multiple bright colors. I used a lot of Daydream apothecary paint in the neons and the botanical line, lots of pinks and yellows, um, some deep greens. There's this beautiful blue scarf at the base. Um, and actually I discovered something new with this piece that the original owner never knew about. There was a secret drawer at the base, um, a really thin drawer on this um, decorative part of the um, of the front. And um, I didn't find anything inside of it, but it's a really thin drawer and you slide it out and you can put in love notes or whatever you want to hide down there. Um, so it was fun. I changed out all the hardware. Um, I kept some of the original design of the scroll work on the sides. Um, I just enhanced it, cleaned it really well, scuff sanded it, and painted over with a little bit of Annie Sloan. I used Athenian black and um, some greens and pinks on the sides. Um, uh, what else can I tell you about this piece? Um, it's definitely striking. I haven't posted it for sale yet because I'm just, um, I want to put it up on my new website and um, make sure it goes to the right home. Um, I hope you get a chance to go check it out. Yeah, you can find me on Orchids True Blue on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective, um, read your comments, and follow along if you're interested in watching colorful hand-painted pieces. Um, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Candy, for recording the details about your winning piece. We are so sorry that you weren't able to make it on the podcast. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. Hi, this is Anne Michelle with Amini Design Ashburn, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. I love Zebra paintbrushes. They have a specific brush for every type of project you're doing, whether it's walls, furniture, detail work, or flat surfaces, Zebra has you covered. My favorite Zebra paintbrush has to be the Palm Pro. I love the size of the handle, and I love the ease in which it lets you get into areas you might not otherwise be able to reach with a long-handled brush. Whenever I use my Zebra Palm Pro, I am always amazed at the perfect amount of paint that it picks up and puts down on the surface. There's no drips. There's no brush strokes. I love my Zebra brushes. 
Thank you so much, Anne Michelle, for sharing about your experience with zebra paintbrushes. The ebb and flow of any economy can throw surprises at any business, just as we had many conversations during and after the pandemic about how furniture finishers survived as a business. We want to continue to have those conversations as we live through this tumultuous economy. We know panel discussions are popular and so many glean from them. So we know you all will enjoy hearing from our winning refinishers as they talk about how they price their pieces to sell and we might add to sell with good margins of course that's how you stay in business i'll turn it over now to our panel i learned the hard way um i had done an um an art farm um type of event and i had learned the hard way of how to price um furniture of course i've i try to do like an hourly wage and taking in like all of my supplies and things like that, the piece itself, all of that kind of stuff. But I went to this really nice art firm and sold um, my pieces there where it was the, it was, it was kind of terrible. Um, I heard a lot of, why is this so cheap? Why are her prices so low? And I think to me, that was almost as bad as hearing, why are your prices so high? Yeah, I was so going to say, I usually you hear the opposite. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I was so taken back by that. I thought, why don't, why don't you want low prices? But then I, I learned that you cannot under, value your pieces either that's almost as bad as overpricing them and um i did a came back home did a bunch of research and i i went to like the places that the like the nice little boutiques that the women shop at in our um town and i searched out other refinishers in in my area and um just kind of researched the the prices around here and i and i tried to fall in between there so it's hard because i i don't know you always want to go higher i know that i learned that for uh from a class that I took too, like you always want to price high. You can always come down, but if you mm-hmm. price low, you can never go back up. Right. And so, um, you know, I kind of just look at the piece and if I've done something unique to it or that, I and I kind of priced it from there, according to everybody in my area, I guess is what I'm, what I'm saying is how I kind of do it. And, um, I feel like that has worked really well for me. The other thing is, is I, I worry a little. Um, I've seen it happen where people have priced their furniture too low and I've, and I've seen it being resold for maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars more. Oh my goodness. So I feel like, yes, I feel like if you don't stay in the area, you know, that can happen too. So I keep that in mind too. And then um, one other really um, interesting thing that I think um, helps me, too, is I don't know if you you might have heard the story, though, about Pablo Picasso um, sitting in a cafe and a woman came up to him and gave him a piece of paper and was like, "Um, I want you to sketch me and I'll pay you for it. And so he did. And he and he charged her like five hundred thousand francs or whatever it was. And she was so taken back. And she's like, but it only took you a few minutes. And he looked at her and he said, no, it, it took me about 40 years. Oh, that's so, fascinating. Yes, of all that experience and all that type of stuff. So I keep that in mind, too, yeah. when I'm pricing. 
paying for experience and, and people in the community knowing that, you know, your stuff helps for sure. And then I have a yeah. different perspective of actually, you know, having my own retail space where I have vendors in my space with me, um, you know, and everybody asks me constantly, Emily, what do you think I should price this at? And yes. I, I want them to value you know, t- I try to teach them, you need to value your time and your effort you put into this. So this is what I think you should put it at. And then the piece sits um, and it's right. frustrating for them because they, they want it to sell. They want to make money. They want to make rent, but I, I can't see them lowballing themselves like that. Um, and it's still waiting for the right buyer, you know, and then you go through that whole thing of the work of the advertising for it and the posting it to many places for sale and the photographing of it. And it's a lot of work. So you have to compensate your time somehow also. Definitely. I can agree with that. I had um, done a set of end tables that were very unique, took a long time. I had them set at a high price um, and they sat for two years but I was not coming down on them. I had people ask me if I would come down on the price and I, I said no and and they sold. The woman that bought them loved them and paid what I had on them. So Yeah, it just took the you time. Do. Right. And it depends for some. Some need money right away and so they're willing right. to sell low. And space. Not everybody mm-hmm. can store yeah. their stuff yes, either. Because but... the creative process, you're always wanting to replace it with something else. Um, right. and crank out more furniture that you know you right. want to get out there um so right it's, it's a fine balance but yeah i think finding out what your community is selling for is important and i'm thankful that a lot of the refinishers in my area were all friends in fact a few of them retail at our, our space called motley home um, and we're able to stay consistent with each other and kind of keep that value where it should be not too high because you know people don't pay you know like chicago prices here but um keeping it firm somewhat right and if it's something unique or something different right there's that is a piece that no one else will ever have mm-hmm. yeah. so you know it's um yeah it takes time it takes creativity and and the and it only takes one person yes. to want it it really does it really does and then you know there's a piece that that i just refinished that i put a lot of work into and i priced it you know, very adequately. And it took a little bit longer than I thought to actually be sold, but, um, it did sell. Um, and it, it got what it was, you know, what, what it was worth. I put a lot of time into sanding and, um, revealing wood and, you know, paying for brand new crystal knobs and that sort of thing. And then we've got this other piece that, um, a trunk that was given to us that our friends, you know, didn't have legs on it. And they were like, Emily, this is going to be burned at our, you know, campground this weekend. Do you, do you want it before we do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. We'll do something with it. Of course it sat in our garage for a year, but I already had the legs. Um, my husband had to do a little bit of, you know, veneer work on the top and it's not perfect and we didn't fill in everything we should have. So we're going to sell it cheap. You know, the piece was given to me. We didn't put much into it. We had the paint. Somebody will appreciate it and get some good use out of it. And it didn't go to the burn pile. So there are those pieces too, where, you know, okay, this isn't our best work, um, but somebody will have fun with it. And we had fun with saving it. And I love them pieces too. Oh, yeah. I love doing them. Yeah. I think I labeled it imperfectly perfect, um, which speaks volumes, you know, from Jen for one, but, um, right. You know, it's, it's imperfect, but it's still cute and perfect in its own little way. It's always a challenge, but, um, I do love reaching out to, 
to some of the refinishers um, that I follow and always hearing back, you know, stay firm, stay mm-hmm. firm. Yep. They will always say that, you know, and um, I guess, I mean, after, after a while, yeah, you might have to come down a little bit, but you know, not, not give it away. Oh yeah. I think recently uh, my friend Jeannie of blush vintage, she was like, you know, do you think I should sell this pair for this much? And I was like, no, I think you should, go higher and they sold in like a week she was like yeah she was like you were right you know yes yeah i love that but it just takes reaching out to one of those furniture refinishing community members or friends that you chat with all the time and and double checking with each other where where you should be and and going that route right and then you do this beautiful piece and you set it at a price and like 15 people want it and are messaging you i'll pay this much for it i'll pay this much for it and you're like, oh, I should have charged more on that piece too. <laughs> but we had that happen recently in our shop too. <laughs> but you know, then somebody got a a treasure. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's and that's the best, and that's one of the always best parts. Nice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask, do you guys keep track of your time for each piece that you uh, refinish? Yes and no. Um, depending on. Who, like if it's custom, yes, I do, which I don't do a lot of custom. I, I have done it. I, it's not my forte. I like to do my own thing. So yes, with custom, I will, but when it's my own creative piece, I don't. Cause that could be forever. And I would say we have so many projects going at once that it's hard to track the time and in, invested in one particular piece. So I always, I price it according to almost like like cabinet doors, which is easy for me to kind of add up in my head and side panels, that sort of thing. And then also buy what its current value should be. So not necessarily time spent, but what it's, what it's worth in the end. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because like, like you said, if you're working on, maybe you're, maybe you're working on three different pieces Mm -hmm. in one hour and you're switching back before between the three different pieces, it's hard to know. I guess my, my question was a, a lead in question too, because I was thinking in terms of just the fact, obviously, I don't think I've ever spoken to a refinisher who was refinishing furniture strictly because they needed to make money. Now that's, that's obviously something you need to make money. Uh, and it's a, it's a provision financially for your family, but it's like everybody that does this loves refinishing. But on the other hand of that, loving it, you also have to make money off of it. And so I was just thinking in terms of like, when you work on a piece, because there's so much involved in it, even like what we spoke on earlier, we're talking about prepping and, there's so many stages there's you know searching and just the whole process from beginning to end do you feel like this is a an industry that you yes you love it and you enjoy it but you know what i make good money with it i mean i i feel i feel good about the fact that all the hard work all the investment of time and resources paid off and so i i would i would definitely if i were talking to other people who are considering this uh, industry, yes, you can make you can make good money off of it. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, if if you look from where I started, you know, where I was fixing up little pieces that maybe I paid fifteen dollars for and selling them for fifty or sixty, to where I've been able to turn it into pretty much a full time job um, that helps support my family. I would say, yeah, you you can be successful at this and still love it and and still have fun. Yes. 
What would you guys say is the one key thing, and maybe there's more than one, but just generally speaking, that, that makes it possible to be an industry that is financially uh, advantageous for you and your family? Like, like, I mean, like, because there's so many elements to it and there is so much involved in it and so much work, like, what's the one thing that you think is the key that that you would say to somebody if they're saying, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm just not really sure. Like, what would you say that they need to have or talent or efficiency? What would you say that is? I would just say the passion to do it. The, you know, do you, do you love taking something old and making it new and useful again? Or you have to really love hard work for mm-hmm. one thing. Yep. And you you have to be patient and follow all the steps through and then enjoy looking back at it and being like, yes, this is it. This is what I did. This is what I wanted to do. And other people enjoy it too. I I love the fact that you can just, it's a clean slate. You can do anything with the table. You could do anything with it. You can fit it in someone's house by a certain color you can fit it in your house, but you, you know, it's, it's your palette. You can do whatever you want. Um, and I love that. It's, you know, especially, you know, nowadays, um, I had so many people asking me for black nightstands. They just want black nightstands. They can't find them anywhere, you know? So you go, you find a, a pair of nightstands and you paint them black but you follow all the steps and everything and and there it is you've made you know you've you've made a profit from you definitely will make a profit if you follow you know the guidelines the right way but yeah you just have to you have to want to do it you have to have a passion for it and um and be ready to work hard i think too Definitely agree. I, and I would say too, and I've said this before, I mean, Casey from Magnolia Martin and I have become good friends and we met um, locally here in, in town and she was like, well, I, I refinished furniture and, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, which is, you know, how I started also. And she was like, you know, what should I do, you know, you know, next? And I was like, well, the first thing somebody told me was you got to get on Facebook, you got to get on Instagram, you mm-hmm. need to start an account, you need to come up with a logo. And Sure enough, she did that and she's doing amazing now. Amazing. It's been really cool to watch her grow and gain clients. And I don't know, she's just doing awesome. But it it takes just having that buddy system of the community online also and just saying, you know, keep going, keep going. And and anything's possible, especially if you do put in the hard work. Right. Yes. And, you know, it's your design to a lot of it, unless you do custom work. But, um, you know, it's just, there's just a uniqueness about it that I, that I love. And, and everyone might not love your work, but then again, you might have a lot of people that, that really love your work. So I guess what I'm saying is like, I started off doing these really bold colors. I loved the bolder, the better. And my, my daughters were like, mom, you know, you got to tone it down a little bit in there. You got to, if you're going to sell furniture, not everyone's going to buy neon green all the time. But, you know, you just, maybe your style changes. Just anything. It's just you. You can paint. You can you can create whatever you want. And that is such a neat, a neat thing. And sell it. So, you know, it's art. Well, I guess an interesting question I have based off that would be for, like, the whole refinishing community. Do you feel like when you do funky 
bright, bold colored pieces that don't appeal to the masses? Do you feel like it takes forever to sell them or do you feel like you have to offer them at a lower price in order to find the right buyer? Because, you know, I just did a piano bench and a funky purple with a bright orange um, and purple fabric on top. It's not going to appeal to everybody. And I know that and I'm not in the right market right. with the right crowd with that sort of style. So I did tend, I priced it a little bit lower. So I guess with pricing discussions, I'd be curious to know what people think about that. I, I am lucky to live um, maybe an hour and a half, two hours from Chicago. And um, sometimes I get their crowd mm -hmm. that will like those pieces. But, um, and I was always really surprised about that, but that's who mine in my general area, I think, um, you know, if I say something about this color being bold or whatever, um, yeah, my my local area will will probably shy away and ask me to tone it down a little bit. But, That's but that doesn't mean I don't like doing them. I I love doing those bold pieces. Yeah, and I do. Going a little crazy once in a while. So yeah, staying safe is hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it is. And yeah, and and sometimes the pieces need to be that, you know, they they want to be loud and exciting and all that good stuff. And, you know, they talk to you, they tell you, so you can't paint them white if they're if they're supposed to be bright red or something. But absolutely. I like that. Yeah, that's just that's just been my experience that I I have had people buy them, but it's got to be a certain area, I think. So that like, um, but yeah. So it sounds like the two common words that uh, are critical for being a successful refinisher is love and patience. <laughs> is that, is that right? Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, I would definitely say. There's an ebb and flow to everything. Yeah. And you gain knowledge along the way for sure. Yeah. And, yeah, and you guys have probably seen in your own lives that maybe when you started, maybe you're doing better financially now than you did when you started just because you become more efficient. And so the more efficient you become, um, the more pieces you can uh, refinish and the more money you can make, I would assume, as well. Not that you're, and it's not an issue of your sacrificing quality. It's just that you become more sure. knowledgeable and efficient in the yes. process. I remember, oh my gosh, in the beginning, many times, yes, where I would have a piece painted and I would, I would have missed dings or something like that have to go all the way back and start over now nope now i know what to look for how to fix it you know what to uh what to caulk the cracks things like that everything you see that now so yeah your eyes definitely trained and it does make things go faster and um, i'm always uh surprised that some pieces i can actually if i start on a saturday morning i'll have them done by saturday afternoon you know so Oh, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah, it's they're rare, but um, but I do love them too. You know, speaking of profits, I certainly love the fact that uh, these monthly contests, like the Zebra Review, actually provide an opportunity to get free product, and that of course gives you greater margin as well. Because I know um, paints, good quality paints that you all use, are not overly priced, uh, but they're. They're expensive, and so it's nice to be able to take advantage of these contests and get some some free products. Oh, and thank you so much. I've been able to use your zebra brushes on my past projects recently, and they have been phenomenal and such a great help. 
they are the key to getting furniture done quick. And Zebra has been so generous. Yes. Hands down. Yeah. Emily, I so enjoy your work. I just want you to know that. I I really, I love all your work and you are just a pleasure. Oh, so girl, I'm glad I got to talk you. with it's you. It's so cool to like talk to you in person. <laughs> yes, it is. It's fun. So I'll be, we'll be chatting more on. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yes, for sure. Okay, good. Yes. And that's what I love too, is making, you know, you don't always get the chance to meet and talk to um, fellow refinishers. So this was a pleasure. Oh, it's been my favorite part about this whole experience, to be honest. You know, I always, when I tell people I've met, I put it in air quotes, the most incredible people around the country. And it's so true. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. And Lane, you too, you're very, you're a pleasure too. You guys are kind, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it is, again, as we talked about earlier, just a testament of the community and how the community really is all about supporting one another and encouraging one another on and to success. And it's funny, too, because a lot of the bonding, once you guys meet through Instagram, if you are if you find out that, uh, hey, uh, this person's local, I mean, you, yeah. you meet up with each other, uh, and you were just talking, Emily, and you really support one another. It's not competitive in a negative way at all. Well, really great discussion. I know helpful to so many as the community tries to navigate through difficult economic times. And again, congratulations, Amanda, Emily, and Candy. You all have inspired us and your insights into pricing have been incredibly valuable. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Today's refinishing tip comes from Maggie with Pinch of Paint. Hey, Zebra family. This is Maggie with Pinch of Paint. And I have a tip for you today. So if you've been on Instagram lately, I am sure you've noticed other painters using carbide scrapers. And some of you are probably like, what the heck is a carbide scraper? So it is a handheld tool that comes in various sizes and you want to add this to your repertoire of tools, let me tell you. So if you are wanting to get something down to bare wood or you're just trying to get old paint off and your sander is getting gummed up, this is the tool for you. So you hold it in your hand, you apply a decent amount of pressure to your furniture, and then you scrape with the wood grain and you are going to be amazed at how much you are able to get off. I hope you guys have a good day. This is Maggie with a pinch of paint. Thank you, Maggie. I think everyone is always looking for easier ways to remove that old hard paint. Periodically here on the podcast, we'll be showcasing a question of the week, and we'll have a few refinishers to answer the question. This week's question is, what do you enjoy most about furniture refinishing? I'm Kristen with Brushwood Charm, and to answer the question, I'd say it's hard to narrow down what I love about refinishing furniture to just one thing, but if I had to choose, I'd say I enjoy seeing, or rather creating, a transformation. Redesigning a piece of furniture and allowing it to really shine again is fulfilling for me. Plus, knowing the steps and hard work it takes to go from the before to the after makes me appreciate refinished furniture even more. Hi, I'm Jennifer. You can find me on Instagram at savedbydesign.tn. What I love most about refinishing furniture is it has not only provided me with a creative outlet, but it has also been the platform that I needed to build my own business. 
Hey, it's Julia from Creative with Sense. What I enjoy most about furniture refinishing is taking a piece of furniture, usually the forgotten one, and making it a statement piece. It's not about slapping paint on a dresser. It's making a family heirloom usable again, turning a cabinet into a display piece for your quilts, and turning that thrift store find into a showstopper for your entryway. The possibilities are endless, and we get to save some pieces from the landfill. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Kristen, Julia, and Jennifer. If you have a question you would like asked among your refinishing peers, send me an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com. If we answer your question on the podcast, you'll receive a free zebra paintbrush. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newer podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary finishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Blaze and Deb with Hidden Charm Woodworks. Hi, this is Blaze and Deb from Hidden Charm Woodworks and would like to give a shout out to our friend Kristen at Vintage Pineapple Company. Kristen's a hidden gem here on Instagram, and we like her because she always has great tips for refinishing. She's really come a long way since she started her account. She now has her own website, um, has a membership to learn how to do refinishing on furniture. Um, She does crafts. She does classes at a local um, establishment near where she lives. So if you have a chance, check her out at the Vintage Pineapple Company. I'm sure you'll love all the great stuff Kristen does. Have a great night. Bye. See ya. Thanks, Blaze and Deb and Accolades, Kristen. One of our primary goals here at Zebra, besides developing and producing phenomenal paintbrushes, is to promote the refinishing community. One of our friends, Mel, with Mel Did It Herself, has created her own podcast, and we are more than happy to encourage her on. Here's a quick word from Mel telling you about her new venture. Hi everyone, my name's Mel and I'm a social service worker turned furniture refinisher, DIYer, small business owner, and content creator from Mel Did It Herself over on Instagram and TikTok. And I have a really exciting announcement. I recently launched my own podcast called Busy Bee Refinishing with Mel Did It Herself, where I post weekly episodes about furniture painting and refinishing for those who are interested in trying out their first furniture makeover, those who are furniture painting hobbyists, and those who have full-time furniture refinishing businesses. I cover topics that range from the basics of how to refinish a piece of furniture to sharing things that I've learned in running a furniture refinishing business. Recent episodes include five things I'm glad I started at the beginning of my business, how to source furniture secondhand to refinish, and why prep is so important and how to do it effectively. I've learned everything I know about this industry thanks to people who shared their knowledge on the internet, so I'm paying it forward by bringing you my tips, lessons learned, and sharing my journey in this space with you. So if you're a busy bee and a lifelong learner like me, I hope you'll tune into the podcast Busy Bee Refinishing with Mel Did It Herself on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for having me, Zebra, and for continuing to rise by lifting others in the furniture refinishing world. It is time to go clean and classic with your pieces this month. That's right. The Zebra Review theme for July is clean and classic. These beautiful pieces will be simple, one color with no distressing. You can incorporate exposed wood on the legs only. Tag your clean and classic pieces that were refinished from July 1st through July 31st, 2022 with the hashtag the zebra review our five judges will be choosing three winners our judges are jenna perfectly imperfect furniture 
Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwachina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include Melange Paints, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing.